Listen, um, the, this is the reason we gather. We shouldn't be gathering so that we have enough strength to make it to Monday. We gather to encourage one another. We gather to breathe the breath of God together. And in the community, as we breathe the, God, the breath of God together, there's something that rejuvenates on the, in, on the inside of us. And when I'm with you, I'm stronger than when I'm by myself. That's why we get together. It's the reason for church. And, I, and I'm not, I don't, you've heard my heart the last couple Sundays. I think I said a couple Sundays ago, it might have shocked a few of you. It's okay. I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm getting a little weary of service, of services. Not, not because I don't enjoy this. I, it's not because I don't enjoy you. It's sometimes we, have, we don't recognize how much we lean back on the structures that we've built. And, and while they can be good, and I'm not dis, disrespecting structure, God's in structure. But sometimes we lean on the structure and without knowing it, we find ourselves in a place where we have a form of God, but we actually deny his power in that form. And so in my personal life, I'm, I'm just, I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm, I'm hungry for more than what the structure provides me. I want, I want authentically real relationships with you. That's why we gather. And so we do these, I mean, I don't, I can't remember the last time we spontaneously broke out and yes, yes, Lord, amen. It's not like we do this every Sunday, but why would we do that? It's not because, you know, it's the late night show with Tim and Dawn and Christian TV. That's, it's, that's, we're not, we're not trying something new. We, we want to live authentically in the moment with Jesus together. And that's what the community should look like and be like. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Listen, we do want to thank those of you who, um, as a church, you lent us to Michigan last week. Uh, Pastor Don and myself and the Jesus Gen crew, we got the chance to, to go with them and love on a church in Stir region. And uh, I want to, want to just... Just kudos to, to that group. We're, we're so grateful for what the Lord's doing through them that we get to partner with them. But thank you for lending us last weekend. And uh, Pastor Jeff, phenomenal message, um, stir, stirring us to remember what God has done. See, it's in the remembering that we, we charge our faith for today for what we need to see him do. So it's just a phenomenal I, I was encouraged, Pastor Jeff. Courage came into me through the word last week. I want to talk to you about the second part of our mission. So we've been, two weeks ago we had a family meeting. We talked a lot about what's happening over the next couple months into next year and how we're reorienting ourselves around familiar principles, but we're rearticulating them in a way that we think makes more sense for us today. So we have these three E's. Our mission is simply defined with three E's. The first mission we talked about three weeks ago, and that is encountering God. We exist as a community, as a people, as a church, to encounter God, not only together corporately, but, but to provide that encounter for all those that, that want to interact with us here. 
whether it's here live in our services on Wednesday, Wednesday night coming up, this, starting this, this Wednesday night with fall fire. I'm so excited. Or if it's online, we want to just welcome those who are watching online this morning. However people engage with, with us, we want them to have an encounter with God. It's our highest priority because we found out that you can come to church all your life and not be changed. But if you meet with Jesus five minutes, it will change you forever. Yeah. And that's why jumping around going, yes, yes, Lord, amen, to a song that wasn't planned actually matters. It's the only reason it matters, because in the moment, God was breathing life and pulling us together and making our yes, our yes for him. And in that, we can have an encounter with the living God that will transform us, that no amount of counseling, and I'm not anti-counseling, no amount of sozo, and I love sozo, no amount of friendship with anyone else will ever accomplish, no amount of behavioral modification works. What we have done is we've raised a bunch of immature believers in the church who still have their closets full of sin. And our evangelicalism has taught them that it's not safe to come out of the closet. It's not safe to be real. And so I've got to act like nothing's wrong when I still have junk in my closet. How about I tell you some really good news? You don't have to have junk in your closet anymore. But we've taught... We've taught people by experience that we've led them into, that it's services, that it's coming to the form, that it's being, being a disciplined person, and I love discipline, there's a place for discipline, but discipline allows you to clean all the clutter that is sin and all kind of junk in your life and put it in a closet when someone's coming to visit, but you know that if that closet door comes open, they're gonna see all your mess. That's not transformation. That's behavioral modification. And discipline will get you there, but that, let's not kid ourselves that that's real change. Real change comes when we encounter God, the living God. And he does something inside of us like he did for Jacob that we couldn't ever do for ourselves. And he turns that supplanting deceiver into the prince that he always was, but it came out twisted. And now in the presence of God, what was twisted gets untwisted and now... We look like him and we smell like him and we can represent him well. So in this house, our highest priority, our first mission is encountering God together and providing that encounter in everything we do through our small groups, through our youth group, through our worship teams, through our social, it's all about encountering God. Listen, those, those you, you might, I don't know, it's probably gonna be hard on your neck, but you might just turn around and wave at the tech brute this morning. Listen, they're sitting back there not because they love pushing knobs. Well, you don't push a knob. Pushing buttons or turning knobs. They're not sitting back there because they like being behind the camera. They're sitting back there because they've caught a vision that they're part of a team creating an encounter for somebody with God. And that's why it's worth serving at the resource table. It's why it's worth serving over our kids in in the nursery, in the children's church, because we're we're all wrestling together like Jacob for an encounter. Every time we get together for everyone that comes. That's our first priority. Today I want to talk about the second part of our mission, and that is embracing community. The third E, so we've got encountering God. We're going to talk today about embracing community, and hopefully, Lord willing, next week, we'll talk about engaging the world. 
Those are our three priorities, our mission as a church. Encountering God, embracing community, and engaging the world. Today, I want to talk about embracing community. Um, Y'all ready to be uncomfortable? See how I politely ask you permission before I went there? See, I, I, don't, I don't believe that community is supposed to be uncomfortable. But most of us, again, have grown up or grown into a church culture that would rather defer people and their attention to a system and a methodology, a structure and a program than toward authentic relationship. And so we have churches full of people who are married to the structure and it's why they exchange even the experiences and encounters they had with them, they're, they're on their own before the, before the Lord. They know what it is to have life breathing in them. And yet they'll come and they'll exchange that for a structure. Because somehow it's, it's looked at as easier. I, I want to I wanna talk to you about biblical principle principle in the word through the Godhead and Old Covenant and the, Old, and the New Testament about how important community is to God. And I want to talk to you about how we shape that community, how we become part of that community here at Destiny. But I want to challenge you that we've got to be willing to step over what feels like this huge hurdle, this obstacle, this, this elephant in the room, that it doesn't always look pretty when we're actually in real relationship. I, I really, I, you know, I, I know I'm going to burst some of your bubbles, but sometimes Don and I don't see eye to eye. I mean, really, if I, if I want to be really true and upfront with you, it's me that doesn't see eye to eye with her, because we all know that she has, she has the truth. But. So I'll, I'll own up to my portion, babe. She's like, no, oh, But for, not for one moment does that discomfort push me away from her. The world's taught us when things don't go right between two people, they get divorced. And we have embraced that community inside the church. We don't realize how much we have been conformed to this world instead of being transformed by the renewing of this gray matter between our ears. And so we watch how now, see, see, in our political system, it just pains me so greatly that we can't say honorable things about people we disagree with. And that spirit has crept into the church. And so we build camps around this or that, or, and it's got to be this, or I'm not going to be that. Listen, I don't care if you're vaxxed or unvaxxed. I love you. I actually do, because that's the kingdom. That's community. Think for a moment with Jesus and his community. 
Let's look at the example of Jesus and understand that he had 12 in his inner circle. That was his real community. Now it grew to 70, but how many of you know that Jesus didn't spend the same amount of time with the 70 that he spent with the 12? And, and have you considered for one moment that Jesus didn't treat Judas any different than the other 11 for three and a half years? You don't think he smelled the fire or the smoke burning in Judas when he was around him? Judas was always worried about the, the, the money bags. He, he, all along there were signs. You don't think for a moment that Jesus understood that there was something like a little off with this guy? And yet Jesus offered him the same authentic level of community that he offered to James and John, the beloved. Think that thought for a moment. See, we've learned to parse things by who agrees with us and who doesn't, who's going to hurt us and who's not. I, I, I warned you up front, and I asked you permission if you know, we, you're okay to be a little uncomfortable this morning. <laughs> See, because what I believe we're after here building, we are after as a church, what we're after isn't seen very frequently out there. Certainly not in the world, but even inside the walls of churches. See, it doesn't bother me when it gets uncomfortable. We, we had, I don't, not to uncover any, but listen, I love these guys. I love you. We had some uncomfortable moments after a prayer time this morning. But that doesn't knock me off one moment doesn't knock me off what, I, what, I, what our mission is and what I'm, this is who I am. I love you. It, those are just little things. And if we're actually being authentic, they might happen more than our evangelical background would want us to open up and actually show anybody. And because we've been hiding, we don't actually know anybody. And people don't actually know us because we've learned to hide. We do this. We know the Christian thing. To, oh, don't worry, brother. That didn't bother me. I don't know. I'm not offended. When in fact, if we just be real, I'm a little torqued right now. It's okay because it's me. It's my authentic journey. And if it's really who I am, I'm just going to be real with you. And I need, I want you to be real with me. Why? Because I don't care what it looks like. I don't care how how uncomfortable it may make me feel or anyone else, it doesn't matter to me. It, our highest, if you know me at all, my highest priority is relationship. Anybody know me in the room? Anybody want to testify that that's true? Embracing community. It goes against our culture. It goes against the church culture that's pervasive in the evangelicalism that's built around a name, a person, a structure, a system, a model, a program. If we're not careful, we'll be known in our city as the prophetic church as if that's our program. And we'll sell ourselves like a prostitute in the kingdom, prophesying to anybody that wants to come through here or anybody on the street. Listen, I believe in prophecy, but you understand what I need to, what I'm, what I'm telling you this morning. This is, there are some things that are in, that belong inside of covenant. Prophecy, I'm not talking, listen, you prophesy out there, Kroger, awesome. But if we're not careful, we'll, prophecy will be the structure or the program by which we're known. And it will be the thing that we can, oh, we can do this, and we prophesy to everybody, 
And we don't realize it, but the culture has formed us to the place we're not giving people our hearts. We're just prophesying to them. Think this thought. God loved the whole world, and so he gave his son. How much of the whole world loves him back? And does that ever cause God to withhold or close his heart to the very ones who won't ever love him back? That's what community looks like. Because the truth is, there's no guarantee for you that I'll ever outgrow this thing that bothers you about me. It's true. You have no guarantee that Pastor Tim's going to get over his hangups. Ever. Well, in that day, I'll see him and I'll be like him and so will you, so that's great. But until then, there's no guarantee that Pastor Tim is actually going to get over that thing that caused you to go, man, I wish he wouldn't do that. That really bugs me. See what I just did there? I just backed away from relationship. Because I'm not enough like the father who loves even if there's never going to be love returned to him. That's authentic community. That's authentic relationship. I don't, I don't have to have a guarantee for you to keep my heart open to you. See, does it blow your mind like it blows mine when Jesus said, the disciples came, well, you know, how many, how many times should we forgive each other? I mean, you know, we're kind of like, Brr. and he said this kind of weird thing, 70 times seven. Now, lest you kind of get hung up on the numbers, I know there's some math freaks out there. You just love math. It wasn't a math equation. The moral of the story is there's actually never a time we should ever close our heart off to each other. Now, that doesn't mean they're not boundaries. I give my heart to Dawn in a way I'll never give it to any of you. That's holy and righteous. There are levels and boundaries. Jesus gave his heart to the 12, to the three more than the 12, and to the 12 more than the 70, and more than the 120. Boundaries are, are important and healthy. But what I'm saying to you is that God is a God of relationship. And he offers it authentically regardless if it's reciprocated or not. Let's, let's build the case. Look at God himself. We have Father, Son, Holy Spirit. In eternity past, they, they lived happily ever after. They had nothing that they needed because they had each other. Deuteronomy 6, I think it's 4, says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. That's community. And when he made man in his own image, the, you know the only thing that was wrong with creation? The only thing that God said is not good or very good was that man was by himself, not in community. Because it came, community comes out of the heart, very heartbeat of God himself, the Godhead, the Trinity, where the three are one and they are inseparable. You can't pull them apart. You'll never get Holy Spirit bad-mouthing Father. So why does that happen here? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not calling anybody out because I don't know of anybody that's bad-mouthed. I'm, not, it's not, it's not, I'm not, not bringing up past wounds. Or I'm just saying, if it's not in the Godhead, 
then why would we excuse it here? We have this expression in the natural where someone is like an open book. Do you've heard that expression? That's the image of God. I am not a journal that has a lock on it. Paul says we are his epistle known and read of men. I'm trying to make an analogy here. Go with me to analogy, right? Paul said, we are God's epistle, known and read of men. There are things written. Our lives are a book. But I am not ever meant to be a journal that has a lock on it. Got to keep all that private. Well, you keep all that private, and you'll miss the best things in life. Because God made us in his image and in his likeness. And the only thing about Adam and Adam that was good is that he was not complete in his likeness because he was not living in community with someone like him. And so God took a rib out and made woman. And whoa, man, did things change then. It got really good. Old Testament, we see these feasts. There are three feasts. In the Jewish calendar, God baked these into the Jewish culture. I love this. First Corinthians 10 tells us that these things happened to them as our examples, talking about Israel and how God created them and fashioned them and, and nurtured their community. These things happened to them for our example. So let's learn something this morning. There were three feasts that God said were so important in their context as a picture coming to, or projecting into the new covenant. These things were so important that all of Israel would have to come together and experience community to understand them. Do you realize that Passover could not be understood as an individual Jew? And yet we have an American gospel that says, this is me and Jesus. My God, I don't care where you're going or if you go with me, I'm going to go anyway because it's me and Jesus. It is Ichabod. It's a, it, it is, it is misrepresenting God himself. The Passover could not have been understood as an individual Jew. It was understood as a collective community that God protected their firstborn. <laughs> so there were three, these feasts in the old covenant. We fast forward to the New Testament. Acts chapter 2. You know verse 1, we're going to get to it in just a moment, but I want to remind you of verse 1. Jesus said, don't leave Jerusalem until Holy Spirit's come upon you. So they stayed, and they were, they were in the upper room for 10 days. And I've, I've talked about this before. Listen, they didn't leave. 120 people locked in an upper room. Now, we know they did some business. They, they replaced Judas. They got some business done, and they were praying a lot, but Scripture says when the day of Pentecost came, those 10 days counted for something, but they didn't count for something because they individually, on their own, wrestled with God for something, and they brought Pentecost down. Let me tell you something. You have authority, but you don't have enough authority, or you don't have the place to take every high place down in Lexington by yourself. It's not going to happen. 120 in an upper room brought Holy Spirit on Pentecost. Not Peter by himself. It says that when the day of Pentecost came, they were in one accord 
in one place. That's community. I have said for years, and I, I, I 100% believe this, there are things that I will never be able to experience in God without you. I need you, Dave. Laura, I need you. It is absolutely true. Holy Spirit was not coming without an upper room full of a church, a community. And yet we, we've created these Christian entitled believers in our society that it's all about. See, we craft our messages about how to and how you get better and how you get rid of this. And boy, I'm going to, it's all about self-help. And we talk to people about destiny. I love to talk to you about who you are and how God's made you. But if we do that outside of the context of the church, we're missing. It's like trying to put a puzzle together that is called our lives without having the cover. Oh my gosh. So in the New Testament, we find that Acts 2, <coughs> verse 41, those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day were about 3,000 souls added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship, community, koinonia, in breaking of bread and in prayer. I, I'm, not, I, you know, I'm not a rocket scientist, but there are four things there that might actually make for a healthy strategy to build a church. Then fear came upon every soul and many signs and wonders were done through the apostles. Dear ones, I can make a case that the, the supernatural nature of the early church came directly out of their community. Yes, they had received power when Holy Ghost had come upon them. But I want to tell you, it says here that after they continued in the apostles' doctrine and in koinonia, breaking bread, and in prayer, by the way, those are all community items, not individual. It says fear came upon the whole region and many great signs were done. Listen, I've seen newspaper, in my spirit, I've seen newspaper headlines here in Lexington, Kentucky about the notable miracles God is doing and will do through his church. But I don't think for a moment he's going to do them through me as a rogue believer. I think the reason they haven't happened is because God's still waiting for a 120 in upper room to come and do his whoosh thing. I think God's still wanting a community to be developed so that we actually love one another so that when we go out there and get them to say yes to Jesus and bring them in here, we don't actually turn them away. Because what we have in here is congruent with the message that came out of our mouth out there. He said, they'll know that they will know that you love me because you love each other. Community. This is the New Testament principle of Community and why it's important. Now, verse 44, now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all 
as everyone or anyone had need. So continuing daily in one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. We, we have to have an encounter with God. And we have to become the encounter with God for others. But the encounter with God should lead us into the 99, not away from it. I love, I love how God loves those who are lost and when he sends us out, I love it. We're all to be witnesses, right? After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You will receive power and you will be my And we use that parable that Jesus talks about the shepherd. He leaves the 99 for the one. And oh, how important it is to witness. Dear ones, please don't miss the context. If we just go out to the 99 and leave them there, we've missed the mission. The heart of Father is to, that, that they're broken and they're by themselves. So we want to go out and tell them how much God loves them and then bring them in here and show them how much God loves them. But that happens not out there, in the community. That's why Jesus didn't say, go get someone born again. He said, go and make a disciple, because a disciple does what disciples do. They can't, you can't shake a disciple off your leg. Because there's a bond. There's a familial bond just like Father has with Son, and Son has with Holy Spirit, and Holy Spirit has with Father, just like Adam had with Eve, and just like you and I can have here inside the community of believers. All right. So our mission is to embrace community. <laughs> Here's a definition for community. A social, religious, occupational, or other group sharing common characteristics or inter interests and, and perceived or perceiving itself as distinct in some respect from the larger society within which it exists. Key point, isn't sameness, but a distinctive that's shared. I've pastored for 35 years and my heart is broken over watching a universal church that can't get along with each other. I've been part of pastoral meetings for those 35 years and I can tell you that I really have a strong distaste in my mouth for pastor's gatherings. And it's not because pastors are horrible people or churches aren't what I give my life for. They are both. But here's the problem. I have found that to, be belong, to belong to any of those pastoral associations, I have to, I 
as a Pentecostal charismatic, I have to check my tongues at the door. What about just wanting to be in relationship with me? If we're not careful, we have the same litmus test to belong to our community here at Destiny. Well, if you don't believe in vaccination, you shouldn't be at Destiny. I'm telling you, I'm, it might get a little uncomfortable in here. Or if you believe in vaccination, you obviously are deceived by the spirit of Antichrist. Here's what I, I, I strongly urge you. Make up your mind before the Lord and have your conviction. But live it righteously before the Lord and love your brother. And if you cause your brother to stumble because of your conviction, then you end up on the wrong side of God. Even if your principle is right. That's what I'm fighting for here at Destiny. It's not that I don't have strong convictions on those things. I do. But you don't hear me talking about them because here's the deal. It becomes a distraction when we're supposed to be building the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. How can I win those who feel strongly than I, differently than I do? How can I win them if I lead with what I know will offend them? That's why Paul said, I become all things to all men so that I might win some. He didn't give up his convictions about the things. He just had a priority for relationship and community. Here's another definition. Well, let me, the second part of that is really key. He says, some respect, it's, it's distinct in some respect from the larger society. See, I want to tell you that community is, we, when we think, think about one body, one Lord, one Savior, one Christ, Ephesians 4. That's the universal body of Christ. I love the universal body. I love to go to the nations and find out that our sister church in Poland in Janowice Wielki is just like us. They love God just like we love God. They worship him just like we worship him. They have our same DNA. It's a beautiful thing. But listen, can I tell you that we can't have the same community with the universal body of Christ that we can actually have here. We, we've, we've got to get rid of this individualism that comes from a Western mindset. We don't understand how much it's broken down. The need in our own hearts for this right here, a local church, a commitment to be right here. I'm not saying that right here is, is, is so much better than the universal. I'm simply saying that the universal can't offer you what the, what the local can. And that's why the definition says, listen, it, there's a distinction between the broad and the smaller group. Because it's in the smaller group we find community. I, I want to tell you, I, I, listen, I, I, I've been to conferences. I know what it's like. I know what it's, I, I spent a lot of years of my life running and chasing this one and chasing that one. And that's great. But you find out, after a while, you figure out that you can't live in that high. Because that's a conference high. And the people there, they love you because they don't really know you. Let's just be honest. If you put on your back of your business card who you really were and handed it out, let's see in those conference settings if everybody, if everybody treated you the same way they always do in the conference settings. 
Now, it's not because you're terrible or you're awful or you're ugly or you're unwanted. That's not it at all. It's just that the real things of life are lived out in community in a small setting. And by the way, somebody ought to say thank God because I really don't want them to make a documentary of me and just publicize it all over the U.S. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm still in progress. But those things happen in community. Here's a second definition. It's a group of men and women leading a common life according to a common principle. And that's why we're spending time in the fall of 2021 talking about our mission. Do you believe, do you passionately believe that everyone deserves an encounter with God? If you do, we have a common principle that should be binding us together. Do you believe that you can have more in a community than you can get by yourself in your own prayer closet? If you do, then we have a common principle that we can build on. I've said for years, and I absolutely 100% believe it, God has seeded the best things in life inside of relationship. And you will never access those things any other means than through authentically giving yourself in community. <laughs> oh, that's cutting room floor. That's great, but you don't need it. What does it mean? And the book of Acts is full of this, by the way. Peter and John heal the lame man, remember, on the way to temple? Acts 3. And then Acts 4. They get called in by the religious rulers so that they could get a thank you party. In their honor, right? Oh, thank you for healing that guy. Was that, that's not what happened, was it? They got called in, called on the carpet, warned never to preach in Jesus' name again. And what did they do? Oh, that's right. They went home to their own prayer closets individually, and they prayed through. Dear ones, our Western mindset of what it means to be a believer needs to be merged with an Eastern mindset that the part is not more important than the whole. Yes. Yes. In fact, the part finds its identity through the whole. Yes. So Peter and John, when they're threatened, they don't go to their own corners in their own hot houses in their own little upper rooms and find their own little closets and fight through to find their own victory. You know what they did? They went back to the community. And it's in the prayer time after that event, they together ask God to give them more boldness. You know what happened? The ground shook in that prayer meeting. We need a shift in Lexington for righteousness to be seen. We need a shift in the bluegrass. We need a shift in our state. How are we going to get the shift? Please, by all means, pray in your prayer closet. But maybe we might get an idea from the scripture about how communities are shaken and about how cities and regions are shaken. And it's going to take more than you and I in our own prayer closet. It's going to take you and I together in community, fighting for one another and with one another. And in the middle of that, God shook the place. And I'm telling you, that's what caused the world to be turned up the, upside down. This is seen over and over in the book of Acts. Acts 20. Remember the boy who falls off the rafter? 
Because Paul, listen, I went, to the, I went to Paul's school of preaching. I just, I just want you all to know, I understand that. I do. I'm not a short preacher. And here's Paul. He's on a missionary journey. He's got one more night. And you know what? He's preaching till midnight. I mean, listen, I mean, I want to thank you for letting me do the family meeting at the one o'clock. I mean, that was the latest ever. And I'm so sorry. We went two hours. But Paul, all night long, so much so that the young boy that's sitting in the rafters, I mean, the youngin, right? The one who should have the most energy and the most stamina, that boy falls asleep and falls down and dies. Resurrection happened in the community. I'm not for a moment suggesting that when you're by yourself on your work site and you don't know if there's any other believers around that you can't pray and release. I'm saying do all of that. He sent them out two by two with authority to heal the sick, raise the dead. Cast. You can have, you have that, so do it. But if we want more than addition to the church, hear me. Hear me. If we want more than addition one saved here, and one saved there, and one saved there. I'm telling you, it's going to take a community. Man, I just feel so frisky. I'm going to bring up Hillary Clinton. <clears throat> it takes a village. Somewhere, I remember she wrote a book. Rachel's going, that was the left field. <laughs> but see, we've, we've, we've all made so many judgments about whether you're with or, or against. That even if she had a principle that was, that was actually godly and should actually be represented in the church, we would reject it because she wrote it. That's how closed we've become. That's how, that's how segmented to our sides we become. And it does not look like Father. I've said over and over again, listen, if you can't honor our governor, I don't care what political side of the aisle you're on. I don't agree with a lot of what our governor has done. But I'll tell you this, I have a great respect for a young man at a young age who's leading a state I don't know if I was, if I was in his shoes at his, at my, if I was his age in his shoes, I don't know if I would have done half the job. I would have made different decisions. But see, dear ones, that's how we keep our hearts pure. So that if I had an opportunity to sit down with our governor, I'd sit down with a clean heart and have lunch and bless him. That's what the Godhead looks like. And that's what destiny looks like. That's what our community looks like. Some would say, well, Pastor Tim, you're compromising. Does God compromise because he loves every last sinner who rejects him to the end and vehemently opposes him? Does that mean God's compromising? We have allowed the world to, to write our definitions for us. So what does it mean to, if, if community is this connection with other people, that's an authentic relationship that, uh, that, it, that requires me to be vulnerable, give myself to, and therefore in the giving, I have an open pathway to receive 
what I would never have received by myself. If that's what we're after, how do we embrace it? Because our, our mission is to not only as a corporate body to embrace, but to lead people through the hurdles that our culture has set up so that they, they too can, can embrace community and get the best things in life. So how do we embrace community? Acts 2 verse 1, they, on the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one accord. That word, one, that two words in English, one accord, is one Greek word, but it's a compound word. Listen to this. They were in one accord. The first Greek word is humus. It means the same. It's homogenous. Same. Same characteristic all the way through. See, when milk comes out of a cow, it has a couple parts and it starts to separate. I grew up on a small farm, right? And we, there was a farm, we didn't have dairy cows, but we had a, we had a dairy farmer that was a few miles away. We were in a relationship and they'd let us go and we'd go in their big vat and we'd scoop out milk. And listen, the most wonderful thing ever is to scoop out the top layer. Jesus, help me. Because you know what's on the top? They say the cream rises to the, and it does, the cream rises to the top. So we'd go in there and, and so I would have pure cream on my cereal in the morning. Don't feed me this 2% stuff. Come on now. I'll love you if you, if you use 2% in your house. Listen, I'm not separating from you. <laughs> I'm listening to my own message. homogenized milk is a process that blends the cream into the fabric of the not cream and now you can't separate them anymore. Humus. First Greek word in this compound, one accord. Homogenization. Now that's not sameness, but it's togetherness. What if it doesn't matter what the enemy tries he ain't shaking me loose from you. What if it doesn't matter how ugly you are to me? Because you aren't as regenerated as you think you are, or you said to me you were. What if even that can't shake me loose from you? One accord. Humus. The second, that's the same place together. Second compound word of this compound word is thumus. So it's humus and thumus. Thumus, not thermos, thumus means a passion that draws in and captivates. This is a word picture. This word would be used to describe addiction. When someone is addicted to wine, the moment they smell it, where is it? I've I'm, I'm got gotta, gotta have me a swig. This is thumus, the idea of a passion that is so ingrained in me that you can't keep me from it. So one accord, community before the Lord. How do we embrace it? We've got to let him homogenize us. Doesn't mean you lose your distinctives. Doesn't mean you have to check your convictions at the door. In fact, in fact what does a healthy, mature body look like? Oh, we're speaking the truth in love. So you better believe that there ought to be a place where I'm sharing my convictions with you and you're sharing yours. We're not trying to get the sameness, but, but this is a place where we're in, we're in this together. Homogenized in the sense that I, I love you enough 
that even if you're different from me, I still love you. Like really love you. And you're not getting rid of me. You don't have to look any farther than people who have left our church. And I don't mean this specifically only about destiny. I've pastored a couple churches. This is, this is real. I know pastors. I, we have these. Listen, when someone leaves a church, it's far too often like a divorce. Instead of a blessing and a release to their next segment of journey, whatever that looks like. See, I, I meet people in uh, Kroger or in Wally World or Target who have left Destiny and I don't have a bone in my body that wants to go the other direction. I want to go right to them. Why? Because I still love them. I mean, like, you can't, they can't shake me loose because my heart's clean toward them, right? Humus the same place homogenized and thumus, a passion that draws in and captivates like wine to a wine bimmer. So what does it mean to embrace community? I have to give my heart away. I have to give my heart away. Wait a second, I thought Christianity thing is about, all, about me building me. I thought it was about what Jesus was going to do for me. Well, yes, the Spirit of the Lord is upon him, and God has anointed him so that you can be free. Free to what? Love me. And give yourself to me. And give yourself to the person sitting beside you. And the small group that's invited you like 12 times. And you just honestly haven't had time yet. That's okay. So what does it look like to embrace community? It means to choose to clasp. The Hebrew word embrace literally means to fold the hands. So when I embrace, when the Shulamite woman in Song of Solomon is embracing her bridegroom, it's that word embrace. And their arms intertwine with one another. It's a giving of ourselves to each other. It's not a putting up with each other. Dear ones, honestly, let me set you free. If you come to destiny and, man, you like certain things, but you're just putting up with me because, you know, maybe you don't like my style, or let me set you free. Find somewhere where you do have the passion to embrace. Because that's what it's going to take for us to build community. We've got to have embracing going on. And we do. We do. But this is a challenge. We have, we have another level. That we, have a, we have some things that are going on. Let me just tie this up. <laughs> I know all of you are like, I wish you would tie this up because this is, might be a little uncomfortable. Can I, can I just tell you why you might want to embrace community? Let me just rehearse a couple things and we'll land. I want to pray for you. You know, it's the banana that is away from the bunch that's the one that gets eaten first. 
It's true. Dawn, Dawn, I just, I love bananas. So she brings me home this amazing bunch of bananas from Costco the other day. And boy, I waited a couple days and now all, some of that, most of that greenness is gone. They look all juicy and I, go, I can't wait. What did I do to have a banana? The first thing I did is I walked over to that bunch and I yanked one of them away. So that I could eat it. The devil is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. See, this is the way Jesus taught. He just used natural examples for what spiritual realities really are. It's the banana that's away from the bunch that gets eaten first. Be my guest. Try it out. Please don't. But you can have it your way. You can do Frank Sinatra Christianity. I did it my way. You come in, but you're not willing to embrace. Oh, I'm, I come in because I know it's the right thing to do. And, I, and you know, I kind of get some good, good encouragement from the word and, and I get sharpened for me, but I'm really not, I'm withholding me. Really? You realize that you can be part of a church and actually still be the banana that's away from the bunch? That's where the embracing comes in. Are you willing to be vulnerable? Are you willing to give your heart to someone else? If you are willing, let me put it this way. If you, as a people, destiny, are willing to give your heart to someone else, we, like the book of Acts, will see our city turned upside down for him. We will see the glory of God come. We will see notable miracles that, the, that the, even the news people can't deny. I've already said God seeded the best things in life in the relationship. This, this is, these are the benefits of community, an embracing community. It, uh, talk is cheap. Relationship is rich. Here's the thing, I am not, I come in really intent on being very open and vulnerable with you, and I, I just want to tell you, I know that I am not the best preacher in the world. That is not Tim Cole, oh, he feels, he feels bad about himself. No, I don't. I kind of like me. But I know I'm not Chuck Swindoll. I'm not Bill Johnson. Here's what I would really like. I want us to build a community not around a personality, but around the person. That's worthy of it all. We sang it today. What's he worthy of? Oh, that's right. Oh, my. Oh, I'll roll around the floor and worship, but I won't give my heart to anybody. What's he actually worthy of? Is he worthy of me being a believer or a disciple? Which is he worthy of? And a disciple does two things. Here's, here's where we're headed, and we shared it two weeks ago. We believe that the clearest evidence of a disciple is found in two things. The embracing of community. Disciples were in the group with Jesus. The embracing of a growth journey inside of community. It's impossible to actually be a disciple of Jesus and not be in a growth community around who he is. And the second thing is they, were, they embraced a togetherness in serving. When Jesus sent him out, Nathaniel didn't say, well, you know, I don't feel like going out today, Jesus. I'm not really into that. 
That's Peter's thing. Let Peter do it. Because everybody knows Peter likes to talk. I don't, I'm not really. So we can sit here and say, oh, that's, that's Ryan's job. Just let, let Ryan go out and do that thing. See, the, 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 the essence of discipleship, of what it means to be a real disciple of Jesus is this commitment to a growth journey inside of community and a commitment to serving through the community. That's what it means to be a disciple. And that's why our second mission, our purpose for existing as a church is to embrace community. So here's what I want to do as we finish. <laughs> what holds us back from giving ourselves away? We're going to deal with a couple of spiritual things so that we can access a place of freedom so that we're actually able to give ourselves away. See, what I found out is that when we partner with spirits, we can't give ourselves away like God intended us to. They're called soul ties. Here's a little help for somebody. You know, as many partners you've had sexually before you get married, those pieces of yourself you gave away, and until you get them back, you can't actually give yourself fully sexually to your spouse. First the natural, then the spiritual. Paul said it this way in Romans 7. Listen, unless someone's dead, they can't be released from the first marriage to give themselves to another. And that's why it's good news that in Christ we've been baptized into his death because now I'm no longer given to the law. I'm given to the new bridegroom, Jesus. So three things, three spirits we want to deal with. First is the spirit of hurt through offense. Why don't we want to give ourselves to each other? What are the blockages? Probably the biggest one is that we've been hurt. Sometimes by the very people who are closest to us. That maybe in the last season were the biggest demonstration of Jesus to us. And all of a sudden they're not anymore. We start seeing them in a different light because we're hurt. Hurt's real. And I have good news for you. See, there's a bomb of Gilead. I've got good news for you. You don't have to hold on to that hurt anymore. I saw an illustration of a pastor of a big church. He had all these things in his hand and in his arms. He's, he's holding it like this, and they represented all the stuff that we hold on to, the hurts in life. And he had someone off the stage throw him a blessing from God because God's always trying. He's got good things to give to you. But see, if our hands are full holding on to the hurt, then we can't actually grab the thing God's wanting to put in our hands. Uh, dear ones, I, I, I got good news. You don't have to hold on to the hurt anymore. It's keeping you from actually experiencing the best fulfillment in life by giving yourself to community. Maybe it's small group. Maybe it's just a one-on-one friendship. Maybe it's the broader community here at Destiny. But I believe the Lord wants to, he wants to, he wants you to be willing to Give him your hurt this morning. So here's where the vulnerability starts. If you've been hurt in relationship and you feel in any way there's still smoke that you smell like because of that hurt. You know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? 
You know what the, their, their testimony was? Or the testimony about them was? Even though they were in the fire, when Jesus stood with them and they came out, Nebuchadnezzar was amazed that they didn't get burned up. Other people were amazed they didn't even smell like smoke. I'm going to ask you to be vulnerable and stand up. If you have been hurt in relationship and you know that there's still some residual of that and you just want it gone, and you're willing to open your arms this morning and let go of all those things you've been holding on, knowing that when you do, what's going to happen is God's going to start tossing you all those blessings that he's been tossing you all along and you're going to be able to catch them now. That's what's going to happen. Get ready. You're about to be blessed like you've never been blessed before. I don't know if you would have labeled it an offense or not, but here's, here's how the spirit of Antichrist that's rampant today works. He works out of offense. We get offended, and that hurt in offense causes us to embrace things we would never otherwise embrace. Like things like we think about ourselves that there's something wrong with us. But we'll deal with that in just a moment. So this is the hurt. So here's what I want you to do. I, I just, it may not be your expression and that's okay, but here's, because I use that analogy of holding things, I'd like if you're willing to let go of that hurt today, say, Jesus, I've carried this long enough. I, I don't, it doesn't belong to me anymore. I want you to take this from me. I want to invite you to open your arms to the Lord. Demonstrate with your physical body that you're willing to let it go. Father, I thank you that you, the spirit of the Lord has anointed you and he's anointed us to bring freedom to the captives, to bind up broken hearts. And right now, I thank you by the anointing of Jesus, I release a binding of brokenness right now, Lord. Those places where there have been gaps in our souls because we've been hurt and we've been maybe taken advantage of, of words have been spoken that hurt us deeply. God, I thank you that right now by the anointing of the Spirit, we bind up broken hearts. I thank you that the bomb of Gilead is real and it is powerful. And I release that bomb right now like a salve into the souls of your sons and daughters, God. As they are freely giving to you, releasing their hold on and their claim to what was done to them, what was said to them. God, we come out of agreement with the spirit of offense. We call it for what it is. It is our enemy and it's not doing us any good. So we come out of agreement with hurt and we let it go, Lord. I thank you for pouring in right now, Holy Spirit, the bomb of Gilead and bridging the breach in their souls right now in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now here's, here's the second thing we're gonna deal with. This is, these are things that keep us from embracing community, keep us from giving ourselves to one another. It's a selfish spirit. It's the spirit of this age. You know what a selfish believer looks like? Their life is actually too full to be part of a community. I know some of you just like took a gasp at the moment, but let me, let me just... Let that settle in. A selfish believer 
looks like a believer who doesn't have anything left over to give to community. You know what Jesus said to those who wanted to follow after him? You know what he said? Deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow me. And you know what that follow me looked like? Being part of the community. I don't know about your life, but my life, man, it's a struggle. It is a worthy struggle every day of my life, every week of my life, every month of my life, every year of my life, to face the busyness and say no. Selfishness keeps me tied to it. Because it's about, these are things I need to build my life. These are things I need to get out of debt. These are things I need so that my career is on the right path. These are things I've got to do. Listen, I hear and I understand all those things. And in their season, they may be right. But let me just say in general, a selfish believer looks like a believer who has no time for community. Today's a great day to accept the invitation of Jesus to deny yourself and become a disciple. Pick up your cross and follow him. What does that look like? Giving yourself to community. We all have different seasons of life. You, you may be really busy because you're on assignment over here and you, only, you don't have as much time. It's, there's no, there's, I'm not making judgments. I'm, I'm making a generalized assessment. But we've excused ourselves for far too long, dear ones. I'm too busy for a small group. Maybe you're too busy to follow Jesus. Boy, this is not a soft sell gospel. And I actually think it might be the closest thing I've ever preached to the gospel Jesus preached. Remember the rich young ruler? He had everything. Oh, yo, what must I do? Oh, oh I've done that. Okay. But his hold was still so strong on all the things that he felt were his, that he could not become a disciple of Jesus. I don't, it doesn't matter what that looks like in your life, if that's reaching into your heart and you feel God tugging on you, that it's time for you to make a different kind of commitment in your life, I want you to stand up. Thank you, Jesus. This is not a selfish gospel. God gave everything for us. If we're going to be disciples and look like him and be Christians, Christ-like ones, then we've got to look like him. That our lives can no longer be consumed by our things. But as living sacrifices, Romans 12, 1 and 2, not conform to this world, we're laying our lives down for one another. 
I'm just waiting a moment longer. I realize these are tough things to process. And there are shades and there are, all, and there are seasons, I get it. There's no condemnation in this place because we're not talking about what you have to do. We're talking about an invitation of what you could do. So Father, here we are today. We are standing before your presence saying to you, Lord, our hearts are with you and we want our lives to be with you. We want our lives to look like you. We want our time to look like you. We want our care, the things under our hands to look like you. We want everything that you've given us to be turned back to you. So Lord, we accept your invitation today as we stand before you. God, we humble ourselves. It's this dichotomy. We, we know that you loved us so much that you formed us in our mother's womb. We know that you celebrate us, and yet you're calling us to deny ourselves. If a man would save his life, he actually finds out later that he loses it but one who's willing to lose his life for my sake actually gains it. For what good is it for a man to gain the whole world? Come on. Lord, we just lay our lives before you in sweet surrender right now. And right in this moment, we come out of agreement with a spirit of selfishness. Because that's not just in us, Lord, that's in the world. There's a spirit called the spirit of Antichrist that's all about me and mine. Lord, we come out of agreement with that spirit and we cut that soul tie off in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you that we've been bought with a price and we belong to another. We don't belong to that spirit anymore. We belong to another and his name is Jesus and he's worthy of it all. He is worthy of it all. And so, Lord, we give our all to you today. Thank you, Father, for accepting us into partnership with you. <laughs> a seed left to itself just dies, but a seed in partnership with God gets buried in the ground and produces lots of fruit. God, I just decree fruitfulness in this season over these lives today that are coming out of agreement with selfishness and laying their lives down to be disciples of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The last thing we're going to do, you all right? Everybody okay? The last thing we're going to do is deal with an orphan spirit. The orphan spirit tells us that we don't belong. Have you ever felt like you didn't belong? For some of you, this is the scarlet letter that you've carried all of your lives. And I'm looking right in the camera. Those of you watching online, I'm telling you, God's coming right into your living room right now. For some of us, this is that albatross that's hung around our necks. That it didn't matter what, what small group we were in, didn't matter what, what uh, social group we were in, it didn't matter what work group we were in, it just, just doesn't matter what church we're in, it doesn't matter. We don't, you just don't feel like you belong. That's, a, that's an orphan spirit. See, an orphan has no connection by which they can define their lives as being okay or not. 
the connection with their father and their mother. An orphan doesn't understand where they came from and how they came and why they came. And that orphan thing on the inside causes us to reject relationship. We think we're being rejected. But in fact, it's an orphan spirit inside of us that we've come into agreement with and we're the ones rejecting the relationships around us. For so many years, I agreed with that orphan spirit in my life. And we call it a spirit, we call it insecurity. We call it many things. And I live my life believing that you didn't think anything good of me. I, I live my life thinking that, that if you would just accept me, I'd feel okay. What I didn't realize until Holy Spirit came with revelation is that the, the problem wasn't in you, the problem was in me. I had agreed with a spirit that made me feel like I, you, I couldn't trust what you were thinking about me. You see how that thing works, right? Are there some people that actually could treat us a little better? Sure. But the problem that keeps us from embracing relationship that has this stigma of sickness, almost defilement on the inside, that we're not good enough, that we'll never be good enough for anyone to actually look at us and care two cents, let alone be willing to give their lives to us. We're just not worthy of it. That's an orphan spirit. And I've got great news for you today. <laughs> You're not an orphan. You are not an orphan. And the truth, you'll know the truth and it will set you free. Today is your day of freedom. If you have struggled with feeling like you belong, I want you to stand to your feet. All over this place. Come on. There's no shame here. This is us dealing with stuff. This is called family. This is what family does, right? Jesus. <laughs> I am so excited. I am so excited, Lord. You know. Woo. Wow. Worthy of it all. You're worthy of it all. From you are all things. To you are all things, you deserve the glory. Sing it one more time. Now, you are the gift to the Lord. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. From you are all things, and to you are all things. You deserve the glory. From you, Father, are all things. From you, Father. Last I checked, everyone standing in this room right now, you're part of the all things that are from God. 
and God only gives good gifts. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. There's no other source, and he is the only source of good things, and you are a good thing because he made you, and he thought of you, and the gleam in his eye was like the brightness of the sun at the dawn of the day. So proud of who you are. From you are all things, Lord. And that means us. Each one of us that are standing right now, we are from you. God, I thank you that you today are separating us from that orphan spirit that has made us feel like we're not worthy, that we don't belong, that we'll never fit in. So Father, right now together, we take authority as a corporate body over this orphan spirit, and we command you to release and loose these people now. Let them go in the name of Jesus. We come out of agreement with you. We come out. It's a repentance process. We're not going to think that thought. Oh, we walk in the room. I don't fit. I don't fit. No. When that comes, it may come, but I'm going to arrest that thing. I'm going to take that thought captive to the obedience of Christ because the truth is he is worthy of it all and he made me good and I'm a good gift to everyone he sends me to. That's who I am because God, that's who you are because God made you. And he's worthy of you and your offering as a living sacrifice. You're worthy of it all, Lord. So we come out of agreement with that orphan spirit. And I thank you, God, right now. Yeah, here's where baptism becomes amazingly important. I I, I hope we we have got a baptismal. If if you're standing and you've not been baptized, come talk to me. Because here's here's one of the things with baptism. It's one of those things that does this. It's baptism is one of those ways that we embrace. We intertwine ourselves with the truth of the gospel. And the truth is you were buried with him in baptism and raised out of that spirit of orphan, uh, out of that not belonging into belonging. And we have been baptized into one body. And you belong. You belong with the body. You belong not only in the universal body, but I want to say to you here, standing representing this church and your church, that you belong with us. You are part of us. Just try. You can't shake us loose. Just try. Go ahead. You won't be able to shake us loose because we see you for who you are. You are the goodness of God in the earth. You are the, you are the goodness of his pleasure. You're the manifestation of the pleasure of the most high God himself through human flesh. That's what you are. And we embrace you. I'm going to invite you all to stand as we finish together. Thank you for your grace as we just release people from bondage into freedom Here's my commitment to you as a pastor here at Destiny. As the lead, I want to commit to you, hear me, that what you do for service to serve will never be more important than who you are. Let me say it a different way. Our highest value isn't what you will do for us or for Jesus. It's you giving us the gift of relationship. We desperately want to know God. And if we do, 
then it's going to require us to know him through each other. Twenty after. Well, I'm not going to give a eulogy because no one died. I'm not going to pronounce you husband and wife because no one got married. Don't, keep that thing going. Keep that thing going. Instead of a closing prayer, we're going to sing this chorus one more time. And together, we're going to say to God that he's worthy of us giving him community. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. From you are all things, and to you are all things. You deserve the glory. Hallelujah. Tim, Don, come on up. I just left. I know, I know. <laughs> You're getting your steps in. So, <laughs> everybody knows this is Pastor Appreciation Day. So, um, we have a cake in the back, so please give us another 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and go in the back, partake of the cake, the coffee, the tea, and celebrate these two. And we have an... IOU envelope that we're giving them uh, because uh, what they don't know is that we passed papers around last week and this week for Pastor Appreciation Day. If you hadn't have a, had a chance to give and you want to see myself, uh, see Jim, see Ron, wherever he's at, and uh, we, will, we will tally that all up and we'll get the, to these guys afterwards. And it's Pastor Appreciation Month, so if there's anything on your heart in a way to love these guys, do because they do live sacrificially for us. So let's celebrate them today. I love right. y'all. Thank you so much.